you hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. So what will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness? Or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions, by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available wherever you find quality Christian books. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. How does a Latter-day Saint get the power of spiritual momentum? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday we began looking at a conference message given by the 17th president of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Russell M. Nelson. It was titled, The Power of Spiritual Momentum. He claims in this talk that he got the idea for that title by watching a basketball game and how one team had this palpable surge of momentum. So he's going to turn this into a spiritual message. And so on page 97 of the May 2022 edition of the Leahona magazine, he says, momentum is a powerful concept. We all have experienced it in one form or another. For example, in a vehicle that picks up speed or with a disagreement that suddenly turns into an argument. So he's going to show that there's a positive momentum and there can also be a negative momentum. But then he goes on to ask this. So I ask, what can ignite spiritual momentum? He says, we have seen examples of both positive and negative momentum. We know followers of Jesus Christ who became converted and grew in their faith, but we also know of once committed believers who fell away. Momentum can swing either way. We have never needed positive spiritual momentum more than we do now to counteract the speed with which evil and the darker signs of the times are intensifying. Now, he's going to give several ways that a member of the LDS Church can get this necessary positive spiritual momentum. The first one that he gives is get on the covenant path and stay there. Now, when I read this, Eric, I thought, this is not at all unique. This isn't even new. Many LDS leaders have talked about and admonished and threatened members of the church to get on that covenant path. Now, you have to understand that this covenant path is fraught with a lot of requirements that must be met if you hope to get to the end of that covenant path, which is celestial exaltation. In fact, Nelson himself says in this talk, the covenant path is the only path that leads to exaltation and eternal life. Now, he doesn't say it just once. He says it again later on where he told his audience, when speaking of the covenant path, it is the only path that leads to exaltation. The path exists. The member is supposed to get on it. But just because he's standing, let's say metaphorically, on this path, 
that doesn't mean he's going to have celestial exaltation. You have to stay on the path. You have to successfully walk this path. Now, this might be why at the beginning of his talk, he said, when it comes to getting this peace that the Prince of Peace can give you, he says, brothers and sisters, I know what I'm suggesting is not easy. And it certainly isn't. And if you study what this covenant path is in the context of Mormonism, you're going to find that it's not very easy at all. But there are a number, as I said, a number of requirements that must be met. What are some of those requirements that make up this covenant path that Latter-day Saints are supposed to be on? There's a page on the churchofjesuschrist.org called My Covenant Path, and it's under the section Strengthening New Members. And so what it does is it gives a list of the things that would be considered part of that covenant path, and you can click on there and read a paragraph or two to help you understand, especially if you're a new member. I'm going to read through here and just consider all of these things that must be done. One, make friends with members of your ward. Uh, Another, Improve gospel study. Three, learn about the Aaronic priesthood. Learn about young women. Learn about the Relief Society. Receive a temple recommend for proxy baptisms and confirmations. Help ancestors receive sacred ordinances. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Serve others. Share light. Participate in a home evening. Follow the prophet. Obey the commandments. Be self-reliant. Overcome discouragement and setbacks. Learn about the Melchizedek priesthood. Receive a patriarchal blessing. Receive your endowment. Be sealed to your family. Let me just read from one of them the idea of obeying the commandments. This is what it says. As you obey the commandments, you will find peace and joy and will always have the Spirit to be with you. Learn about the importance of obeying the commandments. Specifically, discuss with your ministering brothers or sisters or with the missionaries the commandments outlined in Preach My Gospel, which is a church manual. And consider using some booklets such as Tithing and Fast Offerings, The Word of Wisdom, Chastity. And then it says in a bullet point, as it concludes, continue living these commandments. If you are struggling with one or more of these, talk to your bishop. He is there to help you. Well, what if you are struggling with one or more of these? Because if you're going to tell the membership that they need to be keeping the commandments, shouldn't you tell them how many of them you must keep? Well, maybe you don't have to, Eric, because we already know Latter-day Saints know the answer to that. You ask them how many commandments, and they'll tell you. It's all of them. But this is part of the covenant path. That reminds me of something that I read in a book that came out in the 1980s. It was written by a man by the name of James B. Cox. Now, he wasn't a general authority as far as I know, but he was a graduate of Brigham Young University. He wrote this book titled, How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom Today. So you would think by that title that it kind of goes along with what Russell M. Nelson is trying to get across in this talk when he says the covenant path is the only path that leads to exaltation and eternal life. The title of this book, How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom Today. In Appendix A, he has a number of things that he feels are necessary, 100 points, in fact, that he feels are necessary if a person hopes to qualify for the celestial kingdom. When you go through this list, you can see just how, well, not trying to be mean, but just how silly some of this can get. When you start drifting off into moralism and legalism, 
you can put all sorts of things in this list and somehow tell yourself that this is what Jesus demands in order to receive this salvation that he provides. Well, one of them is exercise. Now, I'm sure a lot of people would like to do that and probably feel they should be, but where do we see in the New Testament that exercise is necessary to get the best a Latter-day Saint is offered? How about budget? Like for a building fund, it says in point number 14, do your genealogy, 15. The New Testament certainly doesn't say that. In fact, it criticizes people that put emphasis in genealogies. Point number 37 says to plant a garden. Where's that in the New Testament? Or 38, keep a journal, join the ward choir, point number 39, have a year's supply of food, point number 40, read good books. Now, now that's a good thing to do, but do we find that as being a requirement for exaltation? Where do we see that in the New Testament? Where do we see that in the Book of Mormon? Keep up on world and current events. This is the one that you liked, Eric, 53, sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that sounds Amen. like one we can probably all do. But then you get point number 61, become perfect. I'm going to have a problem with that. In fact, I probably should be sleeping. That's about as close I'm going to get to perfection as I think I possibly can. But then it has all sorts of other things like shop wisely, have children. What do you do if you can't have children? And then point number one, paint the house, fix the yard. Maybe we wish some of our neighbors would do that, but is that really a requirement to get into the celestial kingdom? Well, James B. Cox seems to think so. And then you have point number 96, help the Lamanites. I wonder how many Latter-day Saints even know any Lamanites that they could even possibly help. But these things might be good to get along in society. It might make you a better person. But is this really something that would qualify you for celestial exaltation? Well, it sounds like by the list that you gave, Eric, which is on the official LDS Church's website, there's not a whole lot of difference between what it says on that website and some of the things that Mr. Cox is saying in this book, how to qualify for the celestial kingdom today. For Cox, I don't know where he gets these. And so you you get sleep and tending to gardens and other things like that. Where does that come from? Or even on the church website, some of the things on here, where would you support the idea that you have to participate in a home evening or follow a man who is called a prophet or be self-reliant? Learn about the Melchizedek priesthood. Who gets to make the rules? This is the problem. If you are a Latter-day Saint, who are you listening to, men or God? We believe that the Bible teaches what we are supposed to do, how we're supposed to think, and how we're supposed to believe. And unfortunately, Mormonism strays far off the course when it comes to biblical truth. In this category, it says, get on the covenant path and stay there. Russell M. Nelson says, each time we partake of the sacrament, we promise again to take the name of the Savior upon us, to remember him and to keep his commandments. And that's true. Every week, Latter-day Saints make that type of a promise. And how many times do they break that promise? I would venture every week they break that promise. They, they do not keep the commandments, making it necessary for them to go through the process of repentance. And then he says, in return, God assures us that we may always have the Spirit of the Lord to be with us. 
I think the emphasis on the word always, because the word always is in italics in the printed text in the Leahona magazine, I think the word that should have been italicized should have been the word may. In return, God assures us that we may always have the Spirit of the Lord to be with us. Because you see, in Mormonism, in order for the Spirit of the Lord to be with you, you need to be doing all these things. If you fail in these categories, you do not have the Spirit with you. And this has always been handed down as almost a threat to members of the church. You better do this. You better do that. Because if you don't, the Spirit's going to leave you. Well, if you're not doing it and the Spirit has left you and you die in that condition as a Latter-day Saint, do you hope to get the celestial exaltation you've been promised? Well, no, because you failed in your end of the bargain. And yet on his second point, it's discover the joy of daily repentance. He says, repentance is required of every accountable person who desires eternal glory. He says there are no exceptions. And then the next column, he says, the Savior loves us always, but especially when we repent. God wants us to continue to repent, but what do you do when you repent? You are acknowledging that you're not doing everything you're supposed to in the first place. Yeah, that phrase, but especially when we repent, I find that curious, especially in this particular general conference, because this perfect love of Christ was emphasized very strongly, but yet we find that the Savior only loves a Latter-day Saint, especially when they are repenting. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.